Um, I've been looking forward to this day for a long time. I, I, I know that all of you uh, have people that have impacted you in your life. And the people that are the most important to you are the ones who have impacted you spiritually. Well, um, Mike Calhoun, our speaker today, is that person. Really, I was thinking, just over here, narrow it down, this person, that person. Probably the greatest spiritual impact in my life came from this man, Mike Calhoun. Um, They might not listen to you after this, Mike, since they, you know... They, they know what I have become, so um, might not be thanking you. But Mike um, is with Word of Life. Many of you know about Word of Life. Uh, international ministries out of Scroon Lake, New York, up near Lake Placid, where they had the 1980 Olympics and the Miracle on Ice took place. Beautiful place. Uh, Mike has done a lot of the stuff that goes on in the worldwide ministry, camping and uh, missions, but... His primary focus right now is director of local church ministries. He works with students of all ages. Uh, and he has a book, Pushing the Limits, Unleashing the Potential of Student Ministry. You know, student ministry, effective student ministry is done so far out on the limb, you're not coming back. Either you're going down or you're going to the next tree. You know, you're just not coming back. And, and, and Mike works extremely well and very effectively with students. Uh, so this book generally sells for, I think it's seventeen ninety nine. He said you could pay 10 for it. Let's round it up to 20 uh, Danny and Cindy Rogers are out there. If you see Danny pocketing any of the money, please let me know. But uh, they'll be glad to take the money. But just um, anything that, that, even though this is about student ministry, and some of you may think you're past, uh, I think you will be blessed, I'm certain, by anything that Mike says. Uh, Our son, Michael, is named after Mike. That tells you how important a role he played in my life. We've been friends for a long time. We've suffered together in the last 10 years. They've experienced tragedy in their family, and I don't know if you'll share that. But um, it's my great privilege for my friend Mike to come and speak. Thank you. Well, this is is a joy for me. to be here uh, with Pastor Brad. Uh, most of our experience in ministry together was as uh, camp director and we're working there. And then just over the years, our children have grown up together uh, and then known each other. And what a joy. Autumn, thank you so much for the blessing to, to my heart uh, in, in ministry. Uh, and then, like you said, just to go through some of the things we've gone through together. Uh, seven years ago, uh, my daughter... Uh, who grew up with Elizabeth, uh, the oldest daughter, uh, was killed in an automobile accident. And um, Rad and uh, Linda were there and just uh, encouraging us. And it's just, you know, there, there's a um, something about going through grief that uh, uh, bonds your hearts even greater. And so we appreciate uh, uh, these dear, dear people. I bring you greetings from Scroon Lake, New York, uh, like you said. Uh, if you're not familiar with Scroon Lake, uh, we are. Um, I still have two feet of snow in my backyard. Uh, <clears throat> I know that thrills your heart, and you're envious of my being there, and wish you could be there shoveling it uh, as well. But uh, I bring you greetings. My wife also. I uh, wish she could be here with us this morning. Uh, on the back table, I do have one of our little brochures that has a picture of her and, and myself, and tells a little bit about our ministry. Feel free to take one of those, uh, as well as there's some. Um, 
uh, devotional guides back there for all ages. If you'd like to look at those, they're just something our ministry does and different things like that, uh, just helping local churches and helping families. Um, turn in your Bibles to, to uh, this morning to 2 Timothy chapter 2. You've already seen in the, the bulletin where we're, we're headed with this. And we'll talk about a, a, a subject, and I appreciate uh, David and the others preparing our hearts through, for the music uh, for this morning. Uh, in Scroon Lake, we, uh, we joke, we say we have uh, basically two seasons. We have winter and July the 4th. Uh, that's kind of, we, we look at it that way because you never know. I mean, in the, in the summertime there, you could be wearing jackets or sweatshirts. You, you know, it's just, uh, it's kind of a unique place. Um, but it's a, a beautiful place. Uh, but there's all different kinds of seasons. Uh, one of the things I like about here where you live, you kind of experience all the seasons. I know your winter is not quite as harsh and you do get a snowstorm every now and then for a day, uh, and it goes away. Uh, and, and so, um, uh, that type of thing. But there's there's other types of seasons, too. Right now, we're in a season that uh, just in the last few years has become a phenomenon, and it's taken everybody by storm. Uh, and that's the, the American Idol uh, season. Now I, now, I have to take a survey this morning, okay? How many of you are American Idol fans? Okay, you're really into that. Wow, that you are my kind of people. How, most of you, you if, if it fell off the planet, you wouldn't miss it. Could I see you? Okay, yes. See, you are my kind of people. Uh, I, I just, you know, I, I've not gotten into it. I mean, finally, when they get down to the very end, I can watch it a little bit. But when it's in that early part of the Jerry, what I call the Jerry Springer stage, you know, I'm really not interested, uh, you know, in watching it when everybody's making an idiot of themselves. Uh, you, you, you look at this and you're just reminded that people will do anything for just a couple of minutes of fame. I mean, literally, they'll get in front of people, make a complete, absolute fool of themselves just so that they can be on TV or, or something just for a couple of minutes. Uh, and, and not only do they make a fool of themselves, but after they are rejected because they absolutely have no talent whatsoever, then they continue to make a fool of themselves and go beyond that in front of the camera. I, I look at that and I go, you know, I ask the question, what are we going to be remembered for? See, there are some people that when they die, the only thing that basically you know about their life is what you read about them on their tombstone. Brad and I were chatting last night. We spent several hours together uh, till after, after midnight just chatting. And um, I, I need not tell you about the influence of Linda and, 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 you know, and, and how that continues to go on. People like that, their, their influence continues. But some people, when they die, basically all you know about them is what's on their tombstone. But yet there are others, and their life never seems to end. My father-in-law was like that. My father-in-law taught for many years at a Christian uh, uh, university college. And, uh, when, you know, I, I run into people all over the world who say, you know, I had your father-in-law as a professor, and he impacted my life. His ministry will never end. His life influence will never end. And so this morning, I want us to talk about that based on 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And I asked the question, if you saw in the bulletin there, will your life be a monument or will it be a movement? You know, when, when it's all said and done, will they, you know, will they put a, a tombstone up, a gravestone, and they'll put some kind of a little inscription on that, and that'll basically be all there is? Or will it be something that is continuing? In 2 Timothy chapter 2, and uh, verses 1 to 2, it says this, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard of me among many witnesses, commit these two faithful men who will be able to teach others also. 
Now, we could continue on in this passage. This is perhaps one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. But as you read through here, Paul is talking to Timothy, and he's saying to Timothy, literally, if you, if you would allow me to, to, to extract from this, here, Timothy, let me talk to you about how to make your life a movement, not just a monument. Let me tell you about what you need to do. Let me give you some requirements, if you would, using the vehicle of discipleship that will help you in doing this, that will help you in carrying on your ministry so that even once you're gone, your ministry continues. You go into a a city, you go into a place. Uh, We were chatting last night about just being salt and light, being in a place where uh, you are living for God, making a difference for God. And when you leave, somebody knows you were there. They know that your life uh, made a difference. And we want to be sensitive to the things of God. We want to be sensitive to the leading of God. And so Paul says, Timothy, let me give you some of the requirements. And I, let me just pull from this, if I could, in, uh, in these verses, what he says. First of all, he says this, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He says, Timothy, the first thing that you and I need to do is we must be strong in God's grace. This matter of uh, making a difference in people's lives, uh, we talk about uh, making an impact. Literally, the biblical mandate is not that we would impact people's lives. It was it's that we would imprint their lives, that we would make an impression on their lives. The, uh, uh, the word is tupas, that we literally impress their lives. We leave an indention, and, uh, if you would. And he says it, we've got to do that, and if we do that, one of the things that we have to understand is that it's not about us. I know uh, Brad just wrote an article about the whole idea uh, of this concept. It's not about us. We must be strong in His grace. He says this. Literally, the idea is to be empowered by His divine gift. See, God has given us His grace. We We have His grace. We have His mercy. We have His love. It's a divine gift, and we are empowered by that same grace. What happens oftentimes in our Christian lives is we come to Jesus Christ saying, okay, we are saved by grace through faith alone, and then we try to live by works. And he says, no, we are empowered by His grace. And if we're going to make a difference in other people's lives, then we must continually fall upon that. Uh, A couple of thoughts here. First of all, it's God's power. It's His strength. Uh, It's a gift that comes from Him. Uh, he has literally invested it into us. When he says this, be strong, uh, you could interpret, you could uh, say it this way, be invested with power. Be invested with power. He has invested his power in us. So he says, be strong in the grace. Be invested with power. It's, uh, uh, to give you an illustration, my, um, uh, my wife, uh, bless her heart, has a lot of um, talents and abilities and so on. Uh, but uh, sometimes she has so many things going, she just doesn't, doesn't think through some, some things. And she would say that if she was here this morning. I'm not talking bad about her, okay? Uh, she is a wonderful godly lady. But the other, you know, the other day I, I came home, and uh, her battery on her car was dead, okay? And, and uh, you know, now the ignition was on, uh, which contributed to that, okay? It had been on all night, but she didn't do it, okay? The ignition fairy... Uh, had come into our garage and had turned that ignition on and left it on. Okay, you understand that. Everybody has an ignition fairy close to their house. And so the ignition fairy had turned this thing on, and sure enough, it was dead. I mean, knowing that the ignition fairy visits our house frequently, I went out and bought one of these little yellow boxes that you plug in the wall that charges it up. And instead of me having to go, you know, crazy with all that, I, I just hooked that on there, and it'll crank that car up. And it's, it's kind of like a remedy for ignition fairies. 
uh, you know, uh, uh, and, and it works. And so I put that on there. Well, the, the idea here is that. He says you are like that fully charged battery. See, what, what he does is we are to be invested with his power, the fully charged battery, so that as we go through our lives, what are we to do? We are to just look for places that we can share that energy. We can share that power. He says, you're invested with that power. He says, it's, it's, it's the idea of an inward strengthening. Uh, it, again, the idea to be enabled. Uh, you could go to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, verse 16. He says this, you know, though the outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. It's his power. Uh, it's an imperative if you look at it. And not to get into all the languages, I'll let your pastor do all that. But if you get into that, it's the imperative here. And literally, it's the idea, the present imperative, that it, we are to keep on being energized. It's not that one time we got his grace, but every day we have grace for that day. And that grace gives us the strength that we need for that day. It gives us the energy we need for that day. A.W. Tozer, one of my favorite writers said uh, this, he said, refuse to be average or to surrender to the chill of your spiritual environment. What we're to do is we're to be fully charged batteries empowered by His grace just waiting to share that with other people. Not only is it uh, God's gift that He gives to us, that He gives us His power, but we understand that it's God's grace. The grace is delivered by Him. The grace is available for us for living. To the degree that we, I think we're aware of the grace of God, to that same degree do we walk humbly before God. When I understand the grace of God, it humbles me. When I don't understand the grace of God, I'm not humbled because I tend to look at myself and think I'm doing that. Uh, grace translated literally as favor or credit. Uh, he imputes it where there was none. He gives us this grace. Favor on the part of the giver and thanks on the part of the receiver. God gives us His grace. He gives us His power and then we can make a difference in other people's lives. See, I think there are probably people in every congregation, and I face the same thing. I, I look at myself and I go, okay, God, what difference can I make? And maybe you're here this morning, you go, okay, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a teacher, I'm not this, I'm not that. You know, I, I am just a, and you fill in the blank. But understand something, as a child of God, every single one of us have been invested with His power. Every one of us can be fully charged batteries. Every one of us can make a difference in somebody's life. I think about some of the men that impacted my life as a, as a teen. Not raised, I wasn't raised in a Christian home and people that made a difference in my life. Uh, you know, one of them was a great teacher, Bill Dillard. Wonderful teacher and he could handle the Word of God well. Your man, Otto Williamson. Otto never spoke. He never talked. He never did anything, but he was one of those fully charged batteries that just made a difference in my life. You know why? He, I mean, uh, he had played linebacker in college, big, burly guy, but he could not stand up, literally. They, my pastor got him up to give a testimony one day. He got up, he stood right here to give his testimony, and he looked at the crowd and froze. Could not get a word out. They had to pry his fingers loose and help him off the platform. Man's man. Never said a word like that publicly. But I want to tell you something. He impacted my life. You know why? Because he loved Jesus and he lived for God every day. See, here's the point. Every one of us can make a difference. You don't have to be a flaming evangelist to do that. We need to be powered by his grace. See, as we depend on him, our relationship grows stronger and stronger and stronger. Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. 
Samuel, Br- Samuel Bringle, who worked with the Salvation Army, said this. Uh, he gave an analogy, and he talked about the axe, talking about uh, using the axe, and actually the axe was a, uh, he was using as an illustration of, of us individually. And here's what he said. The axe, speaking of himself, cannot boast of the trees that it has cut down. It could do nothing but for the woodsman. He made it, he sharpened it, and he used it. The moment he throws it aside, it becomes nothing but iron. See, we're the axe. We are empowered by God, and God uses us. Now, that is an amazing thought. What an amazing thought. Uh, another, uh, another writer, uh, Andrew Murray, said it this way, We have as little power to increase our, our strength in our spiritual life as we had to originate it. All the exercises of spiritual life, our reading, our prayer, our our willing and doing, have great value. But they can go no further than this, that they open the way and prepare us to humility and humility to look and depend upon God Himself. See, you and I, we look to God and we say, okay, what do you want me to do? So Paul says, Timothy, you want to make a difference in people's life? You want your life to be a movement and not a monument? Number one, be strong in His grace. Secondly, as we look at this passage... He says, uh, it's interesting verses, he says, uh, uh, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace and in Christ Jesus, and the things that you have heard of me among many witnesses. I get the idea here, and as you read through here, he's talking about having a teachable spirit. He says, Timothy, you're dependent upon God, but have a teachable spirit. I don't know about you, but as I deal with people, I can put up with a lot of things, but when I find somebody who thinks they know everything, I'm pretty well done with them. Um, I, I work hard at not being done with them and writing them off, but I, I just tell you right off. I, I usually just, I'm done with them. Because if you don't have a teachable spirit, you're sunk. And this person, he says, he says Paul says to him, have a teachable spirit. Uh, the word there when he says the things you've heard of me, literally as you, as you read through this and you see it in Paul's life all the way there, he says, listen to other people. Uh, the, the word the heard there is the idea of being active in your listening. It's a, it's a simple statement of fact. But he said it's not just a simple statement that we just, okay, we just listen. But we, we hear and we actually do something with it. It's not just hearing words, but we take the concepts and we actually act upon them. We do something. We apply it. The pastor preaches on a Sunday morning. We hear the words and we go out and we apply those words. We read the Word of God, and as we read them, if you look in our quiet time diaries in the back, you'll notice that in all of there's, a, there's two questions as you look at our teen and adult ones. What is the writer saying, and how does it apply to my life? Principle and practice. So you're looking at principle, okay, what's the Scripture say? And then the application, how do I apply it to my life? That's the idea that Paul's teaching here. We hear it with an idea or view to obedience. So we have a teachable spirit. He says that we, we want to listen to them. He says also, uh, he says that, that you would look uh, of me, the things you have heard of me. Paul had this great discipleship relationship with him. He said, I've been teaching you by example. I've been talking to you along the way. I've been helping you. You know, I've been working with you. It's been evidenced in, in my life. And he says, you've seen it real in my life. And then he goes on to say this. And he says, the things that you've heard among others, among many witnesses. We learn from a lot of people, don't we? I, I like people that just have a, a, a heartbeat and they, they're willing to learn from everybody. The man who began our ministry, Jack Wordson, uh, some of you would know that name, others of you, it wouldn't mean anything to you, but Jack, worldwide speaker, teacher, 
a wonderful man, great visionary. But I loved, one of the things I loved about Jack Workson is that he was just teachable by anyone. We were walking. I directed Word Life Island, which is a teen youth camp there with, at Word Life in Scroon Lake. And I, we were walking around there one day, and a little 15-year-old guy, that his job for the summer was to collect garbage. I mean, that's an exciting summer job, right? That, that was his job. He walks up to Jack Wordson and he says, Mr. Wordson, I got a great idea for Word of Life. And, you know, and, I, and I'm, I'm standing there, I'm going, okay, this is Jack Wordson who, you know, talks to presidents of this and all that. And Jack gets out his notepad and he says, give that idea to me. And he writes that thing down and he says, man, thanks. We need all ideas we can get. Now, honestly, I thought he's humoring this guy. He's just, he's just humoring him. He, you know, we went over, we had breakfast and after breakfast, he pulled that pan out and he said, you know what? I think this will work. I think this is a good idea. He taught me a very valuable lesson that day. See, Paul says, look, learn from everybody, among many witnesses. Learn from there. Uh, the, the, the word mung literally means this, by means of many people. All of our lives, we're a compilation of all the people that have put it, poured, poured into our lives. And he says, find the men and women who are committed to God and then allow them to pour into your life and grow by means of them. He says that, you know, who are witnesses. Now, the word witness there is the word that we use. It's the same word that's translated martyr. Witness is not somebody that's just watching you. But he's talking about here, he's, when he says this, he's saying, that, you know, you've learned from witnesses. These are people who are bearing the marks of Christianity, who are willing to die for their faith. These are, these are serious people. These are not people who are praying church. You know, you can compare it with Hebrews 12.1, a great cloud of witnesses, and so on and so forth. Uh, he also tells us why to learn. Why do we learn from these people? We learn from them because of the consistency in their lives. We want to watch people's lives, and when they're consistent, we want, to, we, want to, we want to watch them and follow their lives. And he tells us what to learn there. He says the same principles. See, we are to be learning the principles that we can then take and give to other people. He says, the things that you have heard of me among many witnesses, you learn from me, you learn from this person, you continue to learn. Have a teachable spirit. Teachable spirit means that we listen, but we also learn from faithful men and women. Thirdly, if we look at the passage, he says, commit these to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. I think the greatest plan for world evangelization that was ever given was 2 Timothy 2.2. One of the issues that we face today is that we usually want to grow our churches and our ministries by addition and not multiplication. And the whole idea of growth in the Scripture it's usually, you know, now, yeah, in Acts it says, and they added to them, to da 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 that had been saved. But the whole idea is, is through discipleship and that idea of evangelism through discipleship, uh, the evangelism and discipleship, so that then we are multiplying ourselves, reproducing. We need to, to, to do that. He says this. He said we are, must be committed to discipleship. I don't know how many of you have an iPod or something similar to that, but if you, I, 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 have, an, I have one, uh, I can tell you this. If you have an iPod and it doesn't play music, then it's useless. And my friend, a Christian who doesn't disciple has missed the point of their life. The point of the iPod is to play music. The point of the iPod, now I know it does other things too, but if it doesn't play music, then it's missed the point. If we don't disciple, we've missed the point. And we need to, it needs to be a part of our life. Paul says, hey, look, be strong in the grace. Have a teachable spirit. And then he says, be committed to discipleship. 
the word uh, committed, he says, you know, this is not just a casual acquaintance, but it's the, the idea of entrusted. When um, uh, a couple years ago, or a few years ago, I went down to the bank and I was opening an account there, and uh, I, I had found out that if you open an account at this bank, you could, they, would, they would give you a free safety deposit box. I had never had a safety deposit box in my life. I didn't know what I was going to do with it. But I just thought it was the coolest thought in the whole world. I wanted one. So I went down, and right after I signed up, I said, where's my safety deposit box? And they said, well, we don't have any more here at this bank. We're all full. And I said, no way. Uh-uh. This is why I came here to get my bank account. And they said, well, now understand, where I live, my closest bank is 40 miles away. Okay? They said, there's one in Saratoga. That's 20 more miles. And I said, do they have one there? And they said, yes. I said, then call them and tell them I'm coming. I want my safety deposit box, okay? So I drove down to Saratoga, and I and I walked in, and I said, here's why I'm here. And they walked me back there, little bitty dinky thing, you know, and they pulled that thing out and showed it to me and gave me my keys. And I I mean, I, went, no, I, have, I want you to know this, okay? I have a safety deposit box, Okay? <laughs> I have the key in my de- in my drawer at home. Now, if you were to go down there, Jay, and look in my safety deposit box, you know what you're going to see? Dust. Okay? I've never put anything in there. I don't have anything to put in there. You know, unless Brad gives me money today, i got nothing. I don't know. But, but it doesn't. <laughs> that ain't going to. I still got nothing, right? I knew it. I knew it. it so here's the point. But it doesn't matter. Understand, I got one. Okay? Now, if you don't have one, I want you to understand something. Then I got one. Okay? Now, one of you, if you want to get stuff in it, don't tell me because then it makes me look bad. How silly. Now, I, I don't know why I got so excited about having a safety deposit box. It just sounded cool, you know? But some of us, that's the same idea. We have this safety deposit box of our faith, and he's deposited this faith in us, and it just sits there and collects dust. See, he's entrusted. He's invested in that in us. He's entrusted that to us. And now what he says is this. You know, it's security and so on, but we ought to do something with it. We ought to pass it along. We've got to do something with it. He committed it to us so that we can commit it to others. That's the concept. See, the idea here, he says, uh, I, I love this, where he says, the, the things you heard of me commit to faithful men. The, the word is reliable. We want to find people that are reliable, and we want to commit it to them. And then they commit it to someone else. And then they commit it to someone else, and they commit it to someone else. What a wonderful thought. What a wonderful concept. Reproducing reproducers. Someone asked me the other day, they said, if you had to narrow down the focus of your life, what would it be? And I said, it'd be two words, reproducing reproducers. The focus of my life, I just want to reproduce reproducers, whether it be through winning people to Christ and helping them to come to know Christ or whether it then helping them to grow in their life. Uh, I work with some uh, young boys in our church that are, that are learning how to preach, and uh, I try to work with them and help them in developing sermons and so on. I want to reproduce reproducers. I'm working with some college students. I'm working with some other people. I, I want to reproduce reproducers. Because guess what? When I'm gone, I'm not interested in the only thing that, be, that you would know about me is what you read on my tombstone. And I may not have the influence that some people could have, but I can have influence. And I can make a difference in people's lives. 
See, it's the ministry of multiplication that we follow. And so what do we do? We reproduce. We teach. Now, how do you do that? Well, you talk about it. You share it. You teach it. You speak about it. You do whatever you got to do. It, it, it's, it's, not, it's not hard. We're sharing our faith. We're salt and light. And then the idea of discipleship is, again, we can take that to a whole new level. But it just starts with just sharing, our, sharing salt and light and, be, and, and our faith. I was telling Brad on the plane yesterday, this dear lady got on the plane and she's on the phone and I heard her talking and she just was distraught and, and I heard her, then she started crying. She, when I get there, I'll try my best to be happy, but I just don't know if I can. And uh, she got off the phone and she said to the stewardess, I, you know, I just got word my two-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter has a tumor and they don't know what it is and she's in the hospital up at Duke and I just don't know. And, and she was just really distraught. And so the plane went on. We, we took off. And after we took off and we were up in the air a little bit, that no one was sitting beside her. And I just, I just went across the aisle, slipped over there by her, and I said, Ma'am, can I pray for you? Can I just pray for you and your granddaughter? Her name was Susan. Her granddaughter's name Ellie. And, uh, and I said, I, I'll, I'll ask the people tomorrow morning at the church where I'm speaking to be praying for you. And could I just pray for you? The lady was not a believer but had an opportunity just to share Christ with her a little bit. We wrote a little pamphlet uh, in memory of uh, our daughter that uh, it shares the gospel, and I gave her one of those and told her the story. And, and I want you to know, God just opened the door with her, with a, with a f- attendant, and so on. Now, did I win her to Christ? Did I begin the discipleship process? No. But you know what? Every one of us can do that. We just need to be salt and light. C.S. Lewis said this, He works in all of us in all sorts of ways, but above all, He works on us through each other. Men are mirrors or carriers of Christ to other men. Usually it is those who know Him that bring Him to others. That is why the church, the whole body of Christians, showing Him to one another is so important. It is so easy to think that the church has a lot of different objectives. Education, buildings, missions, holding services... The church exists for no other purpose but to draw men to Christ and to make them little Christ. See, we want to reproduce reproducers. We want to bring them to a place where their lives are pouring into another life or pouring into another life or pouring into another life. First Corinthians 15, verses 10 11 says, By the grace of God I am what I am. And by his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was, but it was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was in me. Therefore, whether it, uh, it were I or they, so we preach, and so they believed. He just remembered the fact that it was, his, it was grace. My challenge for us today is this. Will your life be a movement or will it be a monument? When you leave here, when, you're, when you move out and, and, and from this service today, will, will you be salt and light? Will you determine that you're going to pour into someone's life? Will you find somebody that you want to take what you have been given and you want to pass it on to them? Dear friend, all of us have, have someone. I, the, the men, I could mention men and women in, in my church where I grew up. When I say grew up, I didn't get saved till I was a teen that poured into my life. They just poured into my life. And at all various stages, in all, all different ways, but they poured into my life. 
I was uh, in Chicago, and I was at uh, the airport there, and we got delayed one night, and they had to shuttle us over to O'Hara. I was at a, the smaller airport, and I had to shuttle us over to O'Hara. And on the on the way over, this businessman, uh, we got to chatting, and, and uh, I asked him what he did, and he said to me, what do you do? And I said, would you like to know? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, I work with young people. And I told him about the, the ministry and so on. And I said, would you like to know why? And he said, sure. I said, when I came to know Jesus Christ as my Savior, I said, people in that church just loved me and they poured into my life and they cared about me. And all of a sudden I realized one day that what they had given to me, I needed to give to somebody else. And I just determined that, that, that one day that what they had given to me, I was just going to keep passing on. I'll never forget this businessman who obviously made plenty of money looked at me and here's what he said. I wish I had a purpose in life like that. See, it doesn't matter what you do in life is what, how you're making your living. Every one of us do have that purpose. We just take what somebody gave us and pass it on. We take the grace of God and we pass it on. We take the teachings of others and we pass it on. We are discipling and training and helping others. You've heard this little poem, but I'll read it to you anyway in closing. It says, I read of a man who stood to speak at a funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on her tombstone from the beginning to the end. He noted that first came the date of her birth, and he spoke the following date with tears. But he said what matters most of all was the dash between the years. See, it, it's, not, it's not when we were born. It's not when we die. It's how we lived. And we can all determine that we're going to live and that our lives, that we would be reproducing reproducers, and our lives would continue. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for the, the simplicity and the way that you challenge us and you help us to understand that every one of us, regardless of who we are, what our abilities are, what gifts you've given us, every one of us have the ability and the mandate just to be salt and light and to pass on what you've given to us. May we determine to be strong in your grace. May we determine to live for you. May we determine that every day that what you have for us is what we would do. And we uh, commit ourselves to you. May we be faithful in serving you. In Jesus' name, amen.